0: Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Good
1: morning. Uh, Thank you for coming to celebrate with us as we acknowledge God's faithfulness in the Confirmation Class of 2019. My name is Beverly Warman, and it's my privilege and my honor to have been the teacher for the students for the past several months. What we're going to be doing today is establishing them and rooting them in the truth that they have come to learn. What we've been studying for the past several months, first of all, has been to establish the Word of God as the source of truth. We began with that back in September. Since that time, then, we also explored God's character as he reveals himself in his word, who he is, what is he like, what does his goodness and faithfulness look like to us? And because of his goodness and faithfulness, then the kids learned how to not only know who he is but experience who he is in meeting the God that we meet in the Bible, but knowing him personally and meeting him in repentance and in water baptism and the prayer for the Holy Spirit, They've met him in learning how to serve others through foot washing. Then they've also been taught how to live in the covenant community. We looked at the 10 commandments and then as believers, how do we live within the body of believers? Since we have become children of the king and, and we're royalty, how do we live as, as children of the king in a way that honors him? Each of the students has had a chance to write their testimony talking about what they've learned And I want to make sure that I emphasize it's not just factual knowledge, but it's experiential. They've learned who God is, and they've met him. So we're going to hear from three of the students this morning, but all of them have had the chance to write out what it is that they've learned and how they've met God this year, and in knowing who they were, but now who they are. What they were and who they are because God has changed them. We're going to hear from three of the students this morning talking about that, but I'd like to read two verses that summarize it. Both are found in Ephesians. The first is in Ephesians 2.13, and it says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And later on in Ephesians, Paul repeats the same idea and says, For you were once darkness, but now. Your light in the Lord, or you are light in the Lord, live as children of light. And what we're going to hear from the students this morning is, is the but now. This is who I was, and this is what I understood, but now, what I have learned this year and how I've met God, this is who I am. We're going to hear the whole but now, and that's the transforming power of the gospel for all of us, whether we're middle school students or as adults, is to know who we were, but now, in Christ Jesus, I am who God says I am, and that's what the students are going to be able to share with you this morning. The first student we're going to hear from is Noah Warfield, and he's going to tell us a little bit about how he has found strength as he grows in his relationship with Jesus. Please listen to this fine young man. Noah. Noah.
2: Hello, my name, as you have heard, is Noah Warfield. Today, I am here to share my testimony. I've been at this church my whole life, but have been recently challenged in my Christian walk. For you, maybe your childhood came with memories of happiness, and I've had my joys too. However, I've had bullying issues with my peers at school that have caused me great sadness. When I go to this church, it means something to me. Here at church, I am part of the family of God. I am valued, and no one will call me names or push me around, but instead, love and care for me. Through the years, I have prayed and prayed for my classmates. In sixth grade, God answered my prayers when two of the classmates that I had the most trouble with moved away. My sixth grade teachers did not tolerate those bullying behaviors. But, however, in seventh grade, my classmates began to bully again and were even worse than in the past. Thankfully, this is also the time that I began catechism. Catechism has taught me how to stay faithful even when I am one of very few doing so. This class showed me how to forgive through foot washing and how to handle conflicts biblically. I was really changed and moved throughout this class. I've battered through my faith. I now know what I'm supposed to do versus what the Word is telling me to do. I'm going to read you two verses that have influenced me this year. Do not confirm to the pattern of this Word, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The first one is telling you not to let the Word change you, but let God change you for the better good. The second one is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. The second one told me to trust him only so he will show you what to do. This class has shown me how to come through in different situations and how to stand up for myself. I want to thank my teachers all the way from nursery to here for teaching me how to deal with situations, how to live in faith. This class will shaped me for many years and will help me to become who God wants me to be. Thank you all for encouraging me and leading me to this person I am now, and thank you for giving me this opportunity to share my testimony.
1: I'm so impressed with him. He's an overcomer. Uh, The second student that we're going to hear from, a young lady named Avery McIntyre, and she's going to talk a little bit about, again, the but now, of how the Holy Spirit has shaped her attitude and her words. Please greet her as she comes. Avery.
3: This year has probably been my deepest year in God and his word, but it sure didn't start that way. When we first started, I knew I was drifting from him. I had stopped praying and reading my Bible, but the worst part was that I didn't even care. My attitude was so bad that almost every word that came out of my mouth was negative. In early September, when catechism was first starting, my oldest sister, Ariana, had gone into the hospital with septic shock caused by an MSSA infection. Then in the next month, I'd gotten into a pretty bad car accident. But I have learned that God makes everything happen for a reason. I got a lot closer to God while my sister was in the hospital, but my attitude wasn't quite there yet. But then Mrs. Warman told me something that has stuck in my head all the way until now. She said that everything that comes out of my mouth should be kind, true, and necessary, which really changed my attitude a lot. Youth catechism has taught me how to have the right mindset, pray properly, and learn how I can give my all to follow God. But the biggest thing that I learned is that being a Christian takes effort. We have to do our best to give our all for God no matter what. Catechism has taught me so many valuable things that I hope to remember through all my walk with God. Thank you.
1: She's doing well. Finally, we're going to hear from uh, a, third young, a third student, uh, Joshua Frisee. He's going to talk, again, the but now and how the Holy Spirit has transformed him and how he's been able to implement in the practice of his everyday life how he's learned to serve and how he has learned to pray through the whole, um, Holy Spirit's transforming power in his life. Please greet him. Joshua.
4: This year, I have learned many things throughout catechism. My parents have helped me in my spiritual walk since I was a little boy who had just figured out about Bible stories. They've been very instrumental in my growth in Christ and in the Word. So as I entered this class feeling like I knew a lot of things about the Bible and Christianity, in reality, I was just scratching the surface. I have come to understand how baptism cuts away our old self and how foot washing allows one person to be a servant to another. After a couple of core classes, I realized that I needed to ask much, much more questions and ask many more, uh, I'm sorry, I need to learn more. After many Sundays, I slowly came around and really started to understand what the class was really about and what these sacraments really were also about. It wasn't about finally being able to have communion. It wasn't all about having the outward signs of being baptized. I was really understanding more about these things and what they really meant. I have learned that foot washing has a much deeper meaning as well. When you wash someone's feet, it allows you to pray for that person and anything you have between them. Also, foot washing allows one person to be a servant to another. But when foot washing actually came around, I thought, boy everybody's going to think my feet are disgusting. In the end, nobody commented, and I enjoyed this because I was able to pray for people that I never really pray for. This This class and its teachers have also taught me that the Ten Commandments mean much, much more than what they just say. So when you sin, you're usually breaking more than one commandment. I found this very important and have tried to apply it to my daily life. Baptism for me is also very important because it helped me start a new life for Christ. When I was baptized, the second I came out of the water, I felt alive. I felt like a new person, and this massive weight had been lifted off my heart. Through this class, I have begun to shed my burden and come closer to God. I have become braver in my walk with Christ, and I am not afraid to say that I am a Christian. I have also felt my heart grow in the Spirit and in knowledge. I am very thankful for where I am at and who I have around me. Throughout this class, from the beginning to the end, my teachers have been there. I would like to thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Kennedy, Mr. and Mrs. Wanamaker, Mr. Ball, and Mr. and Mrs. Warman. I'd also like to thank you, Mom and Dad, for all you've done for me through these years and through these months in my walk with Christ. I'd also like to thank my K-5 through Sunday School teachers, especially Mr. John and Mrs. Sandy, for helping me learn about the Bible and its meaning. Thank you.
1: Uh, thank you again for coming to our celebration um, and joining with us as we uh, walk with the kids through their confirmation and the whole celebration of the, of the but now and the transforming power of the gospel. All right. And Pastor Rob is going to bring us the word of God this morning. Please greet him.
0: Now so glad to see and hear the testimonies of these young people behind me. Uh, I've I've had a privilege to know many of them for many years and many of their families for many, many years. So it's a privilege for me to be part of this service today. Many of these youth have been through a lot, haven't they? And we've all been through something as we go through life. Today, as I'm talking today, I wanted to. I was thinking when I first heard I was going to be speaking today on, during the catechism service, what would I talk about? And We've had, we've, we're on this rooted idea when it comes to planting the, the word of God in the hearts of people, young people and older people throughout this church that's been part of our heritage and will continue to be so. So I thought, what an easy kind of no-brainer scripture to talk about would be Jesus' parable of the sower. So we'd find this parable in Luke 8, beginning at verse 4. And I'm going to read it for you, and then we're going to talk a little bit about it. And we have some visual demonstrations for clarifications today. So, verse 4, chapter 8. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Dear Lord God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you've delivered to us hundreds and hundreds of years ago in this parable. Let it speak to us, Lord God, And what you would have us to learn, let it be clear. In Jesus' name, amen. And when he had said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, for a long time, I just thought that that was something to tell us to pay attention to what I just said. But there's a little bit more to it. And as I was reading that parable and trying to dig, dig deeper into what the meaning was, I prayed. I prayed to the Lord, Lord, help me understand the key to what it takes to first understand what you're trying to tell us, but then what it takes to have to move from a place of rocky, hard, compacted ground to thorns to good soil that would yield a crop of a 100 times what was sown. And I prayed and I prayed, and then he spoke. He spoke to me, but he spoke to me through his word. And that's what's so beautiful about the word of God, that there is so much that can be learned from what we read through his word. So, Let's spend some time breaking down the parable as Jesus explained it using these four planner boxes that are distributed across the stage. Let's get started. So I'm going to read from verse 12 first, or no, I'm sorry, from verse 11. But just to remind everybody, farming in Jesus' time was not like it is today. If you drive any, down any road near a farm, you would see beautiful lines of corn or wheat or soy growing in perfect alignment. And that's because our farming nowadays has become more and more efficient when it comes to how much space it takes and how much we're going to grow in the, every square foot. But now, back in Jesus' time, a sower would sow the seed and they would just cast it. They'd broadcast it across all their entire land. And they would just go across hoping, hoping that the seed that they threw out onto their ground would, would find a place to grow. And Jesus started out by saying, when he started to explain it, that the seed is the word of God. And then he explained, he said this. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe And be saved. So I have a couple of little birdies. And you know that these seeds on this hard, compacted path are never going to grow. Because as people walk back and forth, they're going to get crushed, broken up. And then the birds are going to have a feast when it comes to to the, the seed that's cast along. It's hard. Maybe you've gone on a path that's, um, you've walked on a dirt path and, and there's plants on both sides of it, but nothing down the middle. There's no hope of growth when it comes to those seeds. And as Jesus said, unfortunately, those seeds will get gobbled up by the birds but he equates it to the devil. So now, the next verse talks about the rocky ground. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy, and when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. So, as we took a look at our rocky ground, you might say, well, that doesn't look very rocky. In fact, I've got my little foosball table here, planter box. And the little, little cute little sprouts are all popping up everywhere. And, and you might say, well, it says rocky ground. But the truth is, and as I read through some commentaries, think about it. As Jesus described this, each of these seeds had some time to grow. So they didn't land on rocky, rock, rocky ground or, or out in the open. There, were, there was some soil. But as he described it, the trials of life come. And as these little seedlings pop out of the dirt... The sun, the hot sun comes along, and over time, they start to wither. Aww. That's sad, right? And why does Jesus say this happens? Because they have no root. And that makes sense because just below the surface of the dirt is rocks and the seed starts to grow and the moment it start something bad happens in their life trials occur problems come the seedling dies because there was no root it couldn't get the nutrients that it needed or sometimes you've been blown over by the wind that comes through right maybe it's a friendship relationship problems like Noah talked about earlier or a health problem in their in her family like Avery talked about maybe it's something financial maybe who knows But these are things, outside forces, that sometimes we have no control over and they come into our lives and they rock us. And we can so easily wither if our roots are not able to dig down deep so that it can find nutrients, so it can be solid. There's a tree, the longleaf pine tree, Uh, in the south, will grow. And as its roots grow, in anticipation of drought, a second layer of roots will grow deeper still so that in the time of drought when there's no rain, its second layer of roots are pulling up the water that is safe down deep away from that hard, dry soil that eventually comes during a drought. One better is the shepherd tree in Africa. The shepherd tree, they found that out in the Kalahari Desert, they found a shepherd tree with a root 225 feet deep. Why? Because it knows it's got to survive in the middle of a desert. And God gave that tree, that plant, the ability to survive when it comes to the harsh conditions that it lives in. But these seeds will grow only for a short time and then be gone. The next verse the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And they do not mature. So, as time goes on, these all grow and pop up throughout our little planter box. But soon after, the thorns come and crowd out The few seeds that were growing. And it's not that it just looks ugly, it's that the, the roots that are deep down are stealing the nutrients from the other good plants that the sower wants to have to come forward. Not only do the, are the roots stealing the nutrients, but it's crowding out the sun. The sun can't get to what's growing that, we, that the sower wants to grow. Now, you might ask, what's at the root of the thorns? First of all, sometimes it's our own selfish pursuits. It's us, right? This is a dirty old mirror, by the way. Whoa. Sometimes... Let's 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 dig. Let's find out what's at the root sometimes. I'm gonna get to this in a minute. And sometimes right? And this is what Jesus said. The pursuit of money, fame, and the pleasures of life. There's a song by Need to Breathe called Money and Fame. And one of the lines goes, I found the bottom from the top somehow. Money and fame bring a man shame. Ain't no doubt about it. And if that's not good enough for you, King Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes that chasing the wind is the pursuit of all of these things when we don't have in sight, really, God. And that's what's at the root, and this is what Jesus is trying to get across to us, is that these things, these things, ruin us. And sometimes it's just our self, our selfish pursuits that take us far, far from God. I'm gonna I'm gonna read a few a few statistics. There was a there was a, a poll, a survey that was done by Common Sense Media, about our devices. And there's five points, five things that they discovered when it came to usage of our devices. And I'm not just going to be picking on kids. Listen for a minute. First of all, addiction. One out of every two teens feels addicted. They admit they're addicted to their, his or her device. And the majority of parents feel that their kids are addicted. Frequency. 72% of teens and 48% of parents feel the need to immediately respond to texts, social networking messages, and other notifications. 69% of parents and 78% of teens check their device at least hourly. Distraction. 77% of parents feel their children get distracted by their devices, and don't pay attention when they're together at least a few times per week. Conflict. One-third of parents and teens say they argue with each other on a daily basis about device use. And finally, risky behavior. Fifty-six of parents admit they check their mobile devices while driving, and 51% of teens see their parents checking and using their mobile devices while driving. If you're out on the roads very much, you're not surprised. You've probably seen that all the time, people looking at their phone coming up to a light, going 75 miles an hour on 696. It's a problem. And people are, and this, though it is amazing technology that can connect us from one side of the globe to the other, and we can find out any bit of information that we ever want to know, it's getting in the way. And it's at the root of the thorns in our lives. It's one of the things that's at the root of our, the thorns in our lives, along with money and ourselves. And Jesus is tr- bringing this to our attention. He's saying, be careful what condition your heart is. Because as he said about the first one and the fourth one, this is our heart. And we need to understand how do we get from there to here to here to here. So finally, let's hear what Jesus has to say about the fourth. The good soil. But the seed on good soil stands for those with noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So, one more time. We're going to see our little seedlings pop up. Bigger. And we're going to see how this works. Come on. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. (laughs) It's our wheat popped up. Okay, it's weed, I, I promise. It worked perfectly in my mind. But the point of it is... I'll, I have a mess to clean up. I, I, I know. But the point of it is, when Jesus talked about what happens when we have the seed falls on good soil, when we take the seed in and retain it, it, and we persevere, we, it comes forth a crop, not just for looks, but instead to grow, to feed the family of the sower, to have seeds for next season, and then also to sell, to take, to take care of the family of the sower. So this is the point when it comes to the time. The seed that falls in the good, good soil. So I'm going to just spend a few more minutes, everybody, with my dirty hands. So what's it take to get from here to there? That's the question. That we have a wheat Growing full-growth wheat, growing, producing a crop 100 times of what was sown. If you noticed on each of the scriptures as it was put up on the screen, there was a word that was highlighted, and that was hear. So in each soil, hearing is taking place. Hearing is taking place. So I'm going to keep going, though, reading the Scripture, because Jesus doesn't stop. If you keep reading the Scripture, there's no, and days went by, or later on, Jesus keeps on talking. And, but you might think that this doesn't have anything to do with the other thing. But it does. Verse 16, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it in under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will be known or brought out in the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. So you see what I mean? Jesus is still breaking down the parable by talking about what it takes to get from there to here. And, it does, and it's not listening. I mean, it's not hearing, it's listening. It's what we do with what we hear. How about, have you ever heard this? Can you empty the dishwasher? Yeah. That was heard, right? Can you empty the dishwasher? Yep, I'm going to do it right now. That's listening. Right? There's a difference. And in fact, Jesus brings back in mind what this whole thing about hearing and seeing is about. He's saying things that are going to come that were hidden are going to be brought out into the open. So the scripture that he talked about earlier, when he's saying, or the thing that he quoted from in Isaiah, he said, though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. Jesus is closing the loop on this idea, and he's saying, This is what it takes to be different, to be able to hear what God is doing, to be able to produce a crop of a hundredfold. It matters how we listen. It matters how we listen. But do we stop reading the Bible? Stop reading the scriptures? I say no because... The next, very next verse says this, now. So it's important with what, Luke is wanting these all to be connected. So let's keep on reading. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. And he replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Now, I want to take a minute just to say, God, Jesus is not turning his back on his family. He's not dissing, as they say. Well, we used to say that. He's not disrespecting his family. Instead, he's showing that he's building a new kind of family, a kingdom family that has God the Father on the throne, and we can be his brothers and sisters. And it all has to do with how we listen. It's how receptive we are to the word of God that comes to our ears. What do we do with it? And this is what God revealed to me in the scripture when I prayed. It was right here the whole time. It has everything to do with how we hear. At the Pursuit Conference that we went to earlier this year, Pastor Matt Clark offered this statement. He said, Hearing is involuntary, listening is a choice. Listening is a choice. And that's not much different than Jesus' command consider carefully how you listen, in verse 18. So here's the challenge for us all right now. A seed has been broadcast to everyone hearing my voice, including permanently planted on the internet right now. And the question is, how will you receive the Word of God? How will you receive the word of God? And that's the challenge. Is your heart hard? Is your heart, the moment you hear the word, you cross your arms, and you say, this isn't for me, Or, God's let me down so many times. I'm done. And this is a question for us as a congregation and you as students. Because here and here is where you're most vulnerable. Or If you're a new Christian, you've got to spend time letting your root go deep into the good soil. Because if you don't, when the trials do come, and they will come, the sun comes up, the heat Is turned up and you're gonna be withered away. And God doesn't want that to happen, but it's up to you. It's up to us how we listen to the Word of God. Are you gonna allow the things of life to draw you away from what you heard? Jesus said they received it with joy when they first heard it. And that's where you guys are. And if you're new to this whole thing of walking with Jesus, that's probably you too. You receive the word with joy. But how deep is the soil that you are? What's the condition of your heart? Can those seeds that's been planted find a root? and find nutrients? Or are they gonna be surrounded by, by, by thorns and weeds and choked out by the pursuits of this life? I suggest that you spend time with God, knowing and learning and starting to spend time with the people also who love God. That's the good soil. Coming to church, reading the Bible, finding friends, whether you're a public school, finding friends that are going to lead you the right way and not away from God. The birds don't care what you're doing instead. They, all they care is that they got seed and they're going to gobble it up. But here's the beautiful thing. That even if your heart is hard, your heart is hard, God has the ability to break up That ground, and below that hard ground is good soil. And He, if you come to Him, like it says in Ezekiel, God can take a hard heart and give you a heart of flesh. Or, in terms of Jesus' parable, good soil. Because right under the surface is good soil. But you have to let God, you have to let God break up that hard dirt to get to the good soil so there's space for those seeds to grow. So are you new to this whole Christianity thing? Maybe this is the first time you've heard anything like this. I'm gonna give you an opportunity right now to stand up. If you, there's four options here. If you have a hard heart, if you cross your arms every time you hear the word of God come your way, in a minute, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to stand up and take a stand for the good soil. And turn your back on, on the the hard heart that you might have right now, even. Or maybe you're brand new to this thing. And your soil is only a half an inch deep. You realize, oh, this is interesting. There's no depth. And you can get there. You've got to spend time with Him. This isn't the end. Youth Catechism is not the end of your journey, it's just the beginning. And I'm going to encourage you to get some depth and stay far away from the thorns and the things that are going to pull you away and choke out the good word that God's given you. And that's even for anyone here. If you feel like you are pursuing the things that are going to take you down, I'm going to give you a chance to stand up right now in a minute. And finally, if this is you, if you feel like, I've got good soil. I've got growth going on. What are you going to do with the crop that God's given you? You see, the sower cuts it down at harvest time and he sets some away so that next year he can throw it back out and grow some more. And that's your opportunity as well. Are you taking the seed that's growing? and boldly proclaiming the good news of Jesus to your neighbors, to your co-workers, to the people at school? What are you doing with with what is growing from your good soil? If If that's where you find yourself, any of these things, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to stand. If you want to do better, if you want the Lord to meet you right here, right now, if you want to reach out and and speak boldly and cast your seed <laughs> into more places. Stand right now. Stand right now so that you're going to step away. If you want to step away from the things that pull you back, if you want greater depth in your life, or if you want God to break up that trampled, compacted ground I'm going to challenge you to do that right now good deal dear Lord God thank you for sending your son to tell this very very deep story of how you want our hearts to be God, there is people standing up all over the sanctuary that are committing in one way or another to move closer to you, to soften their hearts, to clear out the thorns, to clear out the weeds, or to have more depth, to learn more about you. And to take their seed, the seed that you've caused to grow in their life, and to spread it to more people. Lord God, seal these decisions. Take these, each one of these hearts represented by these people standing up, Lord God, and strengthen them. Send to their good soil the nutrients that they need to continue to grow. Because Jesus, you promised that as the seed would grow in the good soil, It would yield a crop of a hundred times what was sown. We praise you, Lord, for what you've done in each of these people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen.